0: What does motion sound like? With Kizzik Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizzik.com slash socks.
2: Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods. Check them out at phoenixrods.com and phoenixrods on Instagram. And Viking Heads. Check out Viking Heads at vikingheadbaitco on Instagram. Today's episode is the bait maker uh, round table from the live episode. Uh, the live episode? Fucking idiot. The uh, live uh, toy drive episode. So it's with uh, Mike Gilbert, uh, JSJ, Caesar from Toxic, and Piz. It's a great round table. They talk about a ton of stuff. They kind of give you some, uh, some perspective on what they did to make a bait and also uh, things maybe new bait makers should make. So if you guys are into making baits and you're new, it would be good to listen to this episode because they have a lot of uh, insight on what you guys should be doing. This episode will also be available on the Patreon. So I'm going to put it out on Tuesday. If you want to watch this live, uh, Video-wise, you'll be able to watch it on the Patreon. So all you got to do is pay $5, and you'll be able to get the video. And you'll also be entered into the Patreon this month, which is sponsored by Fight Co. Lures. Thank you very much for, for uh, donating this month. Uh, but uh, that's the new thing I'm going to add to the to the uh, podcast platform, the Patreon platform, is all the videos will be just available on Patreon, not on the YouTube. And it's the only reason I'm doing it is just so much work, and I appreciate everyone that signed up. So I'd rather give you guys that so you can watch it as something additional. So that's my plan. New shirts will be up on the website. I'm thinking next week. I hope I'm trying to figure it out. We're trying to catch up right now. So I'm hoping next week. um, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, Had a great Christmas. The kids got a ton of cool stuff. Uh, We uh, we went to my mom's house. I'm going to tell you what I did for Christmas. Fuck it. And, uh, I was really surprised. I had a friend come over tonight, and I was super stoked, filthy. And he shocked the fuck out of me, so it was a really good Christmas. Like, he was doing something with his family, had to do something, and he calls me. He gives me a call. And I'm going to share this story because it was really cool. Like, we're talking serious about shit. You know, he's he's one of my best friends. So we're talking, and I'm messaging him back and forth on the phone. And this motherfucker walks into the studio, and it fucking shocked me. So it was a really good... Christmas for me to see a really good friend come by and say, what's up had a, had a, a, a bourbon with me. So it was really fun. Thank you, Phil, for coming over and uh, spending Christmas. Uh, I guess it's Christmas Eve. No, it's not. It's Christmas night. I'm a fucking dummy. Um, uh, we don't have much else going on. Check out the website. It'll be all new with the new shirts next year. If you ordered one, I'm going to DM you and tell you, this is what we have because I don't have much, but the new shirts I have a ton of them. So please check out the website. I'm going to say the first. um, And check out the Viking Head website. I think it's going to be done in the next two weeks. It's going to be something really cool. We're going to be full throttle. Uh, It's going to be fun. I'm going to have a ton of, ton of cool stuff coming out. And uh, we'll be at the PCS show this year. We're going to have two booths. One will be uh, Cast and Crank. One will be Viking Heads. The Viking will be running the Viking Head booth. And I'll be running the Cast and Crank. So if you guys have a question about the Heads, you can come to me uh, if the Viking can answer it. I'm sure someone will be there like Kelly, uh, Joe Gata. Someone, one of the people that are involved with it will be there. Bobby, Eric Fine, Jimmy Decker. I hope one of those guys will be hanging out. So we'll be able to figure that out as well. Um, And uh, that's about it. I hope everyone had a, a happy Christmas because I did. It was a really good one with uh, the family and and buddies. And we had the little tournament that the, the uh, Christmas Eve congratulations mike uh, spotty stalker killed it fucked everyone up no one caught shit he caught three big ones so congrats and uh that's about it hope you guys like this episode and keith's will be up on thursday see you guys bye merry christmas oh test uh, oh We have all the goats up here, the goats. All right, welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Here's an episode, you'll never get all these guys together because it's so hard because they live in different areas. So it's cool to have some of the uh, top tier bait makers on stage and kind of pick their brain about, you know, what uh, influenced them to start a bait company and and some of the stuff that they do. Uh, I guess I'm going to pass the mic to Mike, Mike to Mike. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because I don't, I'm a short one. Um, what, who influenced you most to start your own bait company?
3: I, I, don't think there's a specific individual that influenced me the most or a bait company. Yeah, it's more or less like what you see out there on the water, filling a a hole, in what I needed as a tool to like fish. That's kind of like what I, I think inspired me the most. And then it's just involve, evolved from there. That's, that's kind of straightforward. It's just fishing, fishing in general. Did we pass in this down? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't have a wild answer to that. Same question? I would say, I wouldn't say, there was definitely some influence right, um, oh, shit. as far as looking at stuff, figuring things out, but, The reason I started making baits is I had a specific need. I was still doing tournaments at the time, and I was heavy into swim baits, and I wanted some in between. So, my first bait was actually the seven inch uh, snack size. And that was, I used that thing in tournaments majority of the time. You
2: didn't even put it out at that time?
1: Um, I fished it for like three years before I released (laughs) it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wasn't I speaking in the mic? <laughs> no, but when I was figuring shit out, I, I really did look at a lot of Rego baits and just fucking dissected them. I kind of inspired you a little to just kinda of go, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it was most more than anything it was just like figuring out how like his pour points and everything, I was fucking turning it and <laughs> burp, burp. <laughs> so he he was actually a big inspiration for sure. Nice.
2: Uh, bing Bong.
1: So
0: influenced me as a swim bait maker?
2: Yes. Or? Is there, an, is there a swim bait maker that influenced you or uh, got you to make a bait, you know, or was uh, it, how did that work? I,
0: so I read this article, I don't remember what magazine it was in, but it was about Scott Whitmer and the story of the triple trout and how he just started with a basic shape and, uh, and he gave it to his buddies to try and they started smacking on it and then he was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve it up now, you know, and make it fancy So it looks good. And they were like, don't fucking do nothing with that. Like, don't change it at all. Keep it with the little arrow, gill plate and everything. There's nothing wrong. It catches fish. Um, And that was kind of like, you know, I just like that concept. Like it made the fish eat. It doesn't have to look fancy or whatever. Like once you have a working product, you just put it to work, you know? So I guess that was maybe that influenced my baits. That's why they look so ugly, you know? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess that would be my only influence,
2: swimbaits.
4: What about you, Paul? Uh, so, uh, I started out painting uh, crankbaits, and then it kind of transitioned into painting swimbaits. And uh, I was painting a lot of triple trouts. And um, it got to a point where I was buying pretty much everything that was on Tackle Warehouse at retail, and then painting and then charging, you know, the, the retail price plus the paint. And then it basically got to the point where there was nothing really that I wanted to buy that I could just start making them myself. And the uh, the triple trouts uh, themselves just—it looked, you know, just the, the hinge system of it just looked fairly easy to make. And uh, uh, I was working at a at a wood shop at the time, and I just started messing around and actually figured out, just basically looking at it and, and mimicking it. Uh, so that's kind of what influenced me into getting uh the making baits,
2: yeah, all right um I guess this would be the same question. why did you start? You just guys pretty much felt like there was a void that you guys needed to fill right, or was there something else you more Paul, because you're like i'm painting the fucking baits already you can make right
4: yeah, yeah it, it was just one of those things you know i I had already been airbrushing for a while, and it just it just developed into that you know into making it and yeah. then the the, the the hardest part of the learning curve was taking something that was already painted and then repainting it was a lot easier than starting from raw material because when you paint raw material there's there's a whole prep process that's different from just sand and paint you know yeah. you you really have to get in there and fill a lot of you know when, when you're first learning how to make baits there's a lot of voids. You know, you got a lot of bubbles. You got a lot of air bubbles. You got air pockets. You got, you got stuff, and you got to figure out in your mold how do you get rid of those? How do you get those to escape? So, I mean, there's a whole prep process to learning how to paint baits. So,
2: so for the guy, like, what got you guys caught up in, like, carving? So, when you're carving your bait out, did you look at any, like, YouTube videos or, like, a books? There
1: wasn't. When, when I got started, there wasn't hardly – I mean, YouTube didn't even – like there was no here. fucking YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, have you seen uh, my baits?
0: Like. I, didn't, I never watched one video on carving, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, that was... That
1: you guys, like, you have a, a shape, you have
2: a shape, you guys kind of like...
1: Yeah, every, everybody sort of has their own style. Um, I, I do sort of a mix of... I, I do less carving than just fucking gluing shit together and forming it. Like, I'll take parts of fish molds and reshape them, cut them down the middle, make them fat, do all kinds of different stuff. I'm not so much a, I don't carve from a block of wood a majority of the time. That's that's just my style, though. That's that's what I do.
3: You are you so you're like basically using putties and stuff like that yeah. to build on. Well,
1: like take my, and I have a lot of a lot of designs that I I can do hard baits and soft baits out of. If you take like my snack size gill, for example. I've made multiple baits out of that, hard and soft. And you take the head, and I'll reshape the body, and I'll just stick it back on there. Um, my hitch bait, my six and eight, that all started out of a 10-inch hitch, which I literally dro- I drug out dead out of Adobe Creek in the middle of the winter. After it had like spawned, I pulled it out, I did a plaster cast of the head, and then I molded the body it was a 10-inch bait, and I shrank everything down from that. So all my hitch baits came from that one hitch head. I, just over time, I just shrank them and can, made different diff, different I, configurations. The, the, fir,
4: the first bait that I made that had like, like cheeks, in, in a way, was like 10 layers of tape. And I just put <laughs> tape oh, yeah. and tape and tape and tape until it got to a point where I was like, all right, this makes a nice gill line. I took an X-Acto blade and cut. Right. And I was like, all right, good enough. I'll I'll do the rest in you know after it's molded. So, I mean, I don't know. I, there was there wasn't YouTube back then. You know, there was there wasn't what there is today. Yeah, it's good
0: with with bait making because you could just do whatever you want. There's not like a book or like a, a procedure that some guy wrote. You know, there's no like union or some guy that shows you how to do it. You just like have to find a way to get to the end product, and there's no uh, roadmap. So. You just figure it out you go to michael's or home depot or the thrift store or you know the backyard scrap pile <laughs> it all works yeah and you know?
1: ma- materials are constantly changing too smooth on is is a manufacturing company so they're constantly developing they're not just manufacturer but they're a development company so every every few months they'll come out with new with new stuff you can waste thousands of dollars just <laughs> fucking going through and buying stuff and trying it and you never know. The, the resins have evolved in the last 15 years or so. The, the resins, there's, there's so many different resins out there, like the, the different durometers you can buy now, the different elasticities, the different viscosities have changed and evolved so much over the last 15 years, where when I first started, like Alumilite and Smooth-On just only had five resins. In, they didn't even have some of the white resins that a majority of people use these days. They, weren't, they didn't even exist yet. Yeah, and
4: with that, you can't even use the same silicone material for your molds because you got tin cure and platinum cure and yep. every different kinds of stuff that you can't even... Or, like, if you've made your molds and you want to switch resins, it might not be compatible with, with that silicone. For sure.
2: No, I, I even now just, like, making stuff here and there, it's like, what the fuck one do I buy? I just open pour stuff for Calico, and I'm like... I'll buy the blue one, and then it doesn't cure right around the fucking bait. Or I'll buy the pink one. I don't know what the fuck it's called. But I'll buy them, and it's like just figuring that out on its own. you got to Google Ooh. stuff. And with the spin cast machine, there ain't shit to find on the Internet. So no, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. You right. Know?
1: You, if For the spin casting stuff, that all evolved from jewelry making. Yeah. So you're probably going to find more information on that in spin casting for jewelry than you are for fishing lures. And those Warhammer
2: figures, they do. You know the Warhammer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They cast the fuck out of them. Um, this thing, a, lot of bait making.
3: a lot of techniques for bait making apply to across all kinds of industries. It's not just bait making. It's, we, you see a lot of stuff on YouTube that maybe is even misleading or like misdirecting sometimes. Where if you actually look into other industries, there's tons of inspiration there and tons of techniques that people aren't even really touching in the swim bait side of things. Special but effects. It's all industry. the same process.
1: Yeah. The special effects industry has I mean, just about everything you could find if you dig deep enough.
2: All right, here's the next question. Uh, what three things make your baits different from the competition, each one of you? Ooh. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, these questions were not written by me. They're by my friend, the wizard, the bass wizard. <laughs> he helped me with them and I'm like, he, he did do some good fucking questions, you know? So what, I mean, think about like, so you like for Mike, you're thinking of the soft bait, like a HUD, uh-huh, whatever. What makes yours different? Why
3: would you use it? I, you know, I'm trying to fucking say, I know you're to say. Wow. <laughs> well, five something years ago, there would have been a lot more. I would say that there was something different about the bait because when I initially created the battle shads, to my knowledge at that time there wasn't a lot of full body baits designed around a beast hook for a, a snagless presentation. I know a lot's changed in five years so there seems to be a lot of those now but that was the initial concept because it filled a huge hole uh... that by far is the best bait that I've created like I mean I have only have two available on the market so it's I will say the tyrant's probably my second best one, but um, yeah, that the the battle shad was just a uh, it completely filled a, a void for me in the manner of like I felt like it came through cover better than any other bait in its classification at the time. Now there's a lot more that are starting to catch up with it or get in line with it, but just try to harp. Kind of hard to like talk about it without sounding negative, I'm like, fuck, ah, dude. So, but everybody has their own unique style. Like you were mentioning earlier, like you can look at my bait, you can look at Josh's baits, you can look at Caesar's, you can look at Pizz's, everybody has a unique style. And that's why I think sometimes it's, you see a lot of the stuff online where you can obviously see somebody that's getting new into it and talking about inspiration, who inspired you to get into it. You see inspiration in some new guy's baits that maybe... Take from some other people's stuff, but that's just a part of the early process for a lot of guys. But, anyways, it's yeah. whatever the question was. For I would,
1: you. For, <laughs> he was talking three things to make your bait stand out. So yeah, you kind of went off a little little tangent on that one. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> it
3: was extremely snagless, and it was a tall profile. What three things that make the battleshed stand out? Is that what you're yeah, you're asking? I'm just fucking. I know, <laughs> but that, um. I didn't answer the question. I will do that. I will go off on a tangent. But it's hollow, it collapses well around the hook. It, has it for me, it has a good hookup ratio. It's a tall soft body. Um, and what was the other one? I don't know. I said it originally. Anyways, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Annette, the same question. What, what things Aren't, make your bait different from the... Rest? I would
1: say for me, with the soft baits especially, is durability. That's the reason I started working with the silicone. Um, I wanted something that was durable. Uh, also, health reasons I moved into it. Working with PVC, I was starting to develop asthma. And I was sort of starting to play around with it anyway. And that was a huge thing for me to get away from that. And it turned out to be, for me, a preferable material to work, work with. And also painting is less toxic. It's easier to work with and it, it is literally part of the bait. You cannot rip the paint. The paint will not peel off of a silicone bait. Um, the other thing I would say that makes my bait stand out is I have a full utility patent on the hitch at this point and I'm able to run a stability system um, with the ballast system, and with my fin system and everything, my bait will s- sit absolutely stable on the bottom, and it'll come through the water stable, it won't roll. So many baits out there will roll, and I, I do like a bait that rolls sometimes. I used to joke around fishing with Matt Allen all the time, as he was always joking that I could I could catch a fish with a bait that was laying on its side on the bottom, and I, I think there's some validity to that. It's, sometimes, a bait can be almost too stable and look too real when you're trying to imitate something that's wanting to, like, if a bait, a, a, a bass is, is going after something that is not doing well on the bottom. If you have a bait that's sitting on the bottom on its side, that's not always a bad thing. So I'm going off on a little tangent myself. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, stability, stability, stability. Quality um, and with good, the silicone that obviously it's a big thing um, <laughs> let's 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 go to let's let Caesar go <laughs> um,
0: different I, I mean i I never really try to build anything about my baits different. I just build them for a purpose, but you know um, I think maybe my baits are different than a lot of them, maybe not everyone here you you know you could look up and see that they've caught big fish and been around, you know, and swim baits a lot of times. There's a lot of new stuff that is either an un- un-proven kind of bait or new, or it's built by somebody that's, you know, that's just building a bait to build a bait and not really building a bait and proving it to catch fish. I think, I think building baits takes a little more than just making it wiggle, you know, like you gotta refine it to, to get bites. So I know that my baits are all, you know, I'll take it and, and refine it even though maybe not, I'm not saying cosmetically, but the action or whatever it will be so that it gets the most amount of bites. And if it doesn't, if it's just mediocre, I wouldn't put it in production. So maybe that and then just like, uh, I try to make baits that you just throw out and reel in like that are super easy. You could just put any hooks on them. You could just reel it in slow or fast or twitch it or some. they wake and go down. I try to make them do everything so when you buy the lure, since we charge, I, I feel like my baits are already so expensive, like 120 hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty $150 is so much money to pay for a fishing lure. Um, so I just try to make it as universal and as good as I can make it so that when the customer has it, it lasts forever and catches a ton of fish. And uh, it's easy to use. You could give it to anyone. So I don't really pay attention to what everyone's doing so that mine are different. But those are what I kind of make for toxic like it has a purpose and it's very universal and i try to keep the price so everyone can afford it you know however you know that it's within reach because you know things are so tough
3: but you you've done like some funkier stuff though too caesar like haven't you like the skirt and stuff like that that material that 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 sets your baits Yeah, I I guess I try
0: to do different stuff. The skirts I want in fins but that was rooted in this, right? Like There's this design that my buddy Stephen Morgan, me and Piz, have been in this private chat for like a decade (laughs) with other builders that are gone now and Stephen was a very knowledgeable cat and me and Piz, he helped me with paint before even though I was kind of building before Piz. Like It's been a trade-off and uh, it just kind of developed. There was this fin system that moved that I really liked and there was this big bluegill bait actually, and I, it was the best one I think I've ever seen made, but the fish didn't stick to it, I, none of them were landed. So I had to make the wade hogs, and that's why it's shaped a certain way, but I wanted the fins to move. But manufacturing these fins and people replacing them, it didn't seem practical. So I thought about how to make fins move and replaceable for a year, and I was like, a year? I know was, and I am just like, I don't know how to do this, and then I fished frogs, And skirting is like a triggering mechanism, right? Like every lure that has a skirt, they eat, even though it doesn't look like a fish. So there's something about the skirts that makes them bite. And when it popped in my head to use it as peck fins, I was like, that's so stupid. How did it take me a year to think about drilling a fricking hole, you know? So I don't think about it as like some cool thing I did. It was just like, that was rooted, like it's affordable, it's easy, it's practical. I might not be making like the most innovative stuff on the market aesthetically, but, it should. It's designed for a purpose, and it does its job.
3: What's your favorite bait out of your baits?
0: Uh, <laughs> probably. It's always a tough one. Probably the ten-inch trucha because it's like. So people carve baits. I didn't know that people like looked and printed a trout, and then put it on the wood, and traced it on the wood, and then carved it. I didn't know people did that. That's why my Wade Hogs gill plate's like this big. Because <laughs> I was just like, it's from memory. This is my style with a Dremel. Like, like I said, it's for a purpose. So the trucha, I measured and I took ratios of gill plates and I, I use putty to build it and it looks fancy. So that's probably my favorite. But my, my real favorite is the micromink because I can, I can, I've caught my that's, biggest that's fish. It catches fish everywhere yeah. and I crank it down and it, people really don't crank down minks, and it's like a Slayer. So sure. I guess the Micro minks my favorite, but I don't know. I just, they're all my favorite when that time arises, right? Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. like, so, all right, tangent. No. Done with my tangent. You, do you remember the first <laughs> question? Do you remember the, que-
3: you remember the I, question? Yeah, I
4: yeah. remember the question, yeah. Uh, the answer is uh, waffle resell value. <laughs> 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 I don't understand. <laughs> that, that's, that's what makes my bass so popular, <coughs> there's only one reason, um, no, it's just, uh, I, I, think, I think doing clean work, I think uh, clean work helps, I, I don't make anything that's like super intricate, uh, it's kind of all basic trout shape, basic shad shape, basic gill shape, but then, you know, I got really good painting skills. So I think that helps. I know. No, no, I'm just saying. no. Hey, when you got it, you got it. He just <laughs> you know had, like I'm a saying? Conor McGregor so, moment So right I, there. Think, like I think I think also no also another thing is like I like to do theme stuff, and I think that gets people excited about it too. You know, uh, there's a lot of Star Wars nerds out there. I like Star Wars, uh, so I do some Star Wars theme War. stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, the, the baits work, the baits are really easy to use, um, you know, they, they come with a, a higher price value, um, but that's that's not always just set by me. That's set by the market, you know, when when someone new comes along and they charge more than you do, you're like, man, I, I've been putting in the work, you know. This guy just came up and he, who knows if his, if he's even caught a fish on his own bait, you know oh
2: do you think that maybe uh you should make the bait proven before you put it out you know what i'm trying to say like hey yes. i'm gonna put yes. like a, a eight or yep. ten on there yeah hey,
4: it, it wouldn't be a cast and crane podcast if you didn't interrupt somebody in the middle of a you know <laughs> no that's a good question that was a good question <laughs> no, no i know no, but <laughs> okay, you know, okay,
3: that so question. we're, what all, is, do, what we're is, all doing a good job with it. what that. is proven? Proven is like, oh look, it moves through the water, or proven no. like bros go out big and catch fish. fish catcher on it. Dude, everybody fish you wants catch to catch big fish, fish bro. Fish catch big fish. So there's 100%. a difference between what somebody can because some dude goes out and does a, a review on a swim bait and he's like, boom, bait's proven. Look, it swims in the water, and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like what's what is proof? No, What is proof? Well well. It's easy now. to say that on stage, but like what is like you see so many baits out there now where our ca- catch is happening?
4: Yeah, I well, that's I prefer what you were kind of alluding to, right? Dude, I
3: prefer cast-to-catch.
4: Like, when, when Sorry, someone posts a picture, I mean, this is just my opinion, and I don't know if anybody agrees with me, but if someone posts a picture, you're holding up your swim bait rod and your, and your bait like this and your fish like this, but you got four spinning rods on the deck, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's suspect to me. I, I, I don't know, that's just suspect to me. But, at the same time... The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest
0: field goal ever missed?
4: cast a catch you, you can't hide anything, you can't, you know, it, it's, it just shows that it works. And it's not just one cast a catch Like, I think you need to really put a catalog together of a lot of cast the catches whether it's you doing it, whether it's someone else doing it, whether it's someone in a different
3: region doing it. I mean, it can be hard
1: to get that from a lot of people, though, because true hammers aren't going to give you that video. Uh, Sure. Yeah. But that's That's
3: why you as in my opinion, not this isn't for everybody. That's why you as the bait maker are the best tool to sell your bait, like get behind your own product. And that's what it's like
0: you want the guy that builds your bait that that's designed to catch a big fish to know how to. at least catch a couple big fish, right? Like, you don't want a guy designing your car that's never driven a car before.
2: <laughs> you know?
0: I mean, I, but but say like you buy a crankbait and this guy catches, wins tournaments on crankbaits but it's never caught a 10 pounder. Well, maybe it wasn't designed to do that. It's not like, oh, everyone should catch big fish. But if you're saying this is a, a lure designed to catch trophy fish then. Like, why did you design it and how would you get there? That's right. I that's mean, that's not saying point. like, oh, I have caught big fish and I make good lures. That's just me watching. Like, I'm a consumer of fishing. I'm such a nerd. I love fishing lures of all types. People that make some. Like, I, I've been there. I, I look when I'm buying some. I don't make everything that I, you know, that I throw. I throw Mike stuff. I throw whoever stuff that I don't make if I need it. Like, I'm not going to make... a a battle shad because i could just buy it that's a pain to make that that's hours and there's so much stuff that goes into it
4: yeah there there's there's fishermen that just want to go out and catch fish because they may only be able to go out on the weekends yeah so they're going to use a numbers bait yep you know the the guys that are truly out to pursue the giant fish are going to be throwing proven giant fish baits you know um eight inch hud the the um the baitsmith um anything i anything I think ten inches eleven inches twelve inches is going to be uh the the bait that's going to do it you know you might get lucky during the spawn and catch one on like a four inch bluegill that's like you know eight nine ten pounds you know, but for the most part that small bait's only going to catch your standard four or five yeah. you know kind of stuff which which no you know still great fish, but at the yeah. same time if, if your goal is to catch the biggest fish in the lake, then I think you need to use a bait that is going to catch that fish, not yeah, and necessarily designed by any someone fish. that yeah. knows not, how yeah. to. So you don't
2: you don't fish. think that you could you could uh, have like a be a guy that just can build baits really good. Maybe I don't catch fucking giants, or I don't. You know what I'm trying to say?
0: It, it, huh? I, I, I get like maybe it.
2: I don't catch like I'm not a guy that cat that is out fishing a lot, but I can really design a bait very well and know how it swims, know the mechanics of it. I don't need to catch him. Like, if this dude just. Yeah, but how do you know that the beard. mechanics
0: make fish eat it?
2: Because you got your buddies, prototype, you got guys in your ear, like, kind of, you know what I'm trying to say?
1: I, I, no. I hear what you're saying, but I, I feel like <laughs> things are getting pretty soft I, as time goes on, and not an insult to anybody, but 20 years ago, when people first started throwing baits, big baits, like, not first started throwing them, but 2015.
3: They started becoming a little bit more popular 20 years ago. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Um, if you got on the forums and you couldn't prove that you have caught big fish, people would just laugh you off of it. Time, times have really changed. Yeah. I, yes and no. I mean, I wasn't always supportive of that because there were some real fucking assholes on the forums. Um,
3: some of them are here yeah. still, right? Some of them yeah. are still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: but like, so like my whippersnapper, but, though, isn't designed <laughs> to catch giant fish. like even though it has catch big ones, like not all, I'm not saying every lure. I think a lot of, a lot of
1: modern hard baits are not giant fish Uh. baits. They're, they're, they're quality fish baits. They're upgrade fish baits. They're, and there's nothing wrong with that. There, I feel like there's a there's two different types of swim bait fishing to me. There's, there's trophy hunters and majority of trophy hunters are throwing soft baits. I would say 90% of trophy hunters are throwing soft baits. 90% of the time. The other 10% of the time, there's windows for big hard baits, but most trophy fish over the years have been caught on soft baits. And I I really, I think it's cool that a lot of hard baits are more accessible and they do upgrade your catch for sure, but I think your percentages are higher for a trophy fish on soft bait.
4: Well, it's also the time, I'm sorry, Mike. No, go ahead. It's also the time of year where fish are getting bigger and you can't throw a soft bait in the dead summer unless you're swimming in a shallower water column because most people don't have the rocky lakes like we do here right they have a lot of grass bottom lakes where they're they're they can't fish deep like oh we for can.
1: sure i mean we're we're spoiled in california with our diversity in our lakes for sure uh,
3: go, going back to like your question your original question i do think that someone that isn't an avid angler or a highly successful angler for big fish can design a bait that is very successful if they're paying enough attention online to the people that are catching the fish to what uh, feedback that they're providing. Because people provide a lot of feedback, whether they realize it or not, about baits, whether they're too thick, they're too stiff, like they don't do this, they don't do that. And if somebody is smart enough, talented enough, they can do, design that product and, and produce that product, that bait, um, for people that... And it might even take somebody like that that is a little bit more on the fringes to create something new that does turn into a very successful bait, right? Because, like, I mean,
1: I, I, I don't think yeah, you have to
3: be, like, 100% committed to... Well, everybody can get food, lucky,
0: you know what I mean? Everybody yeah. get lucky every once in a while... Yeah let's, yeah, let's be real about this shit. You know what I'm saying? You got to put the time <laughs> yeah, but, in. If You want to excel at something, you have to cover all bases. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think Everybody, there could be a uh, outlier, but you know. Yeah,
3: but I think we're talking about the difference of like somebody that's active in the community, like and does fish. Ver- like I'm not talking about just some complete anomaly from left field. I'm talking about something that's like in in the world of swim bait fishing. They're just maybe not like front and center, like, oh, I go out and I'm trying to solely catch big fish and stuff. They enjoy the process of creating a bait. Oh, for sure. Like, and I think they have the opportunity to create an awesome bait, whether or not they can actually do the angling side of it. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But I
2: think it is a possibility. I, a, I, I think it's cool what Caesar said, Those, maybe the bait's not made to catch a fucking... 12 or 10. Maybe it's made to catch a 6 oh, or 8. Oh, for sure. And it's like, that's cool. Like, I would be fucking happy all day catching that. That's,
1: I, I, that, going back to my snack size, that, that was not a trophy hunting bait. That was, I was still fishing tournaments. I was really into swim baits when I wasn't fishing tournaments, but I also wanted a in-between that I felt comfortable to improve my right? catch yeah. in tournaments.
4: Yeah, I was just, I'll just add that, uh, for a bait maker, you got to think not only for what you want to build, but for what the consumer wants to buy. Yeah. And if the consumer wants to buy a 5-inch bluegill bait, a 6-inch shad bait, then you make it to the best of your ability. You may not fish that bait. There's, there's a bait or two in my lineup that I just don't fish because I don't want to fish that small. But I'll fish the runt all the time, even though it's small. But I don't expect anything from it other than just going out and catching some fish. If I catch a big fish on it, like you said, like said, you just get lucky. But if I'm going to target what I think is going to be the better fish in the lake, I'm fishing the 11-inch DDT, the Shadley 2, or the Shad FG. Maybe the carp glide. But I mean, those are literally the three baits that I'm going to fish tied on all the time. In the summertime and in the fall, it'll be one of the bluegill baits. But other than that, I mean, I'm basically like a five bait rotation. Yeah.
3: I mean, like a great example for m- me when it, when it comes to like the bait side of stuff is like there's the six inch battle shad, there's the 7.5, and there's the 9.0. My personal favorite is the 9.0. It is by far and away caught the biggest fish for me. The number one seller of the battle shads, 20 to 1, is the battle shad 6.0 because you can go throw that anywhere and pretty much catch fish. It's going to catch fish. And maybe this leans back more to, like, what you're talking about 20 years ago is if I would have came to the table presenting a 6.0, dudes would have been like, dude, take that home and put that in your toy box. Right. Because uh, the concept was totally different then. It's like it was about not just going and catching fish on a swim bait. It was about going and catching big fish on a big swim bait. But now there's more people and more people across the country that have kind of slid in there and maybe the whole idea of like swim bait and that is like what you're saying it the customer driving the market a little bit yeah. of like demanding more they're getting more reward by throwing small smaller stuff but not necessarily catching bigger fish even yeah. though you can catch the bigger fish yeah. on some of the small stuff it's, it's, even, more of an it's an evolving yeah
1: it's cool that the evolution of it I mean if um, I mean going off the bait topic a little bit look how look how the whole swim bait industry has evolved into like clothing lines and everything like Bassaholics was all that was around back in the day now there's dozens of clothing companies that are uh, just revolve around the swimbait industry and I think it's really cool so you know, the baits are doing the same thing yeah.
2: Yeah. it's alright I like it Mike I'm not to piss in a minute so you're going to be the host in a second <laughs> this is a great one and I feel like uh, everyone wants to throw their own fucking bait because they want to catch on it I get it now When people say that because I have a lead head and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to throw anything but my lead head with something else. It's hard and I know something else doesn't get a bit. So uh, what other bait company or bait do you throw? So say you're not throwing your glide or whatever you make. What are you throwing like as a glide if you don't make a glide? What are you throwing as a soft plastic if you're not, you know, what are your different opinions? And I'm going to give this to
3: Mike to be the host because I got to pee really bad.
1: (laughs) the baits
3: that i throw out so i'm up, i'm open to throwing any bait because like uh i'm out there trying to catch fish so if obviously if my baits aren't working i'm not going to just keep force feeding it i gotta switch i gotta try stuff and i'm open to anything uh the stuff that i think it's pretty obvious that i've thrown in the past i've thrown the 250 i've thrown hinkle's 11 inch trout uh nate's baits, baitsmiths or hog hunters uh huds thrown yours a little bit I'll throw whatever I need to when I'm out there because I I want to catch fish. And if they're not eating my stuff, like, okay, I want to try that first. If it's not working, I set it aside, and then I go to, like, what I consider, like, old faithfuls, things that are tried and true that I've used for years, and they they are not letting me down still. So I pick those up as, like, those are confidence baits too. Just as much confidence I have in my own stuff, I have confidence in those baits. So.
1: Uh, For me, in hard baits, I would... The one of my go-tos is Rafa Customs. He's got a nine-inch or not nine-inch, uh, a twelve-inch trout that I throw for big stripers. And it's when I go out uh, with my friend Paul, pretty much the only two baits that I have tied on are my nine-inch siren and his twelve-inch trout. Um, so that's that's my go-to in hard baits. Soft baits, at this point, I. Re- I can honestly say there's. An, I would say the biggest, the one go-to in a soft bait is probably a tournament talon. The six or the seven-inch tournament talon is one that I will still throw. But majority of the soft baits are, I've, I've created because they have filled niches that I want. So I, I honestly don't throw much of anything else in a soft bait other than my own stuff. Uh, other than I would say that tournament talon would have to be my answer. Yeah. Um, I throw everything.
0: I throw Osprey, 316, JSJ, His, Piz, uh, Jackal. I love ABS mass production baits. I don't care. S-Waver, um, Sneaky Pete. I don't know if I'm at the store and it looks dope. I buy it and I throw it. And then if it breaks, I don't use it. Um, I love Depths 250s. I have old Hinkles. I throw a lot of Depths 250s, I guess, because that's like the best glide bait. 10-inch glide bait, you could get out there, you know, I don't really know a better bait than that. Um, Soft baits, like you said, I throw the line through Ospreys, um, and I throw Mike's Weedless because we have a lot of uh, Shiner, but I also throw, I think the Bass Tricks, that hollow belly Bass Tricks is is the... the greatest swim bait created of all time. That's my personal opinion. There's not a better swim bait that has caught more and bigger fish across the nation and won more money. I mean, people could say huddles. I know what they're saying. Or maybe they don't say it's a swim bait, but that's bullshit. So the paddle tail is, if you don't have a paddle tail on your boat, a hollow belly, bass trick style paddle tail rigged up and ready to go while you're fishing And most of the months, I throw it all the way down to 45 degrees. You're missing bites, 100% you're missing the bites because of the secondary action and the roll and stuff. Um, so probably the most I throw would be like the 250 and then the Bastrix paddle tail. Even though I have my own soft baits, I throw all that stuff. Um, it's not the same. It's, there's not a design that does it and there's not another bait that triggers bites like that. Um, and like the mission fish actually, I, I fish weeds a lot, so mission fish and the, uh, the line through rising sun. Uh, are some of the best soft baits made, too.
2: I agree. Uh,
4: since I don't make soft baits, I just I use the uh, the HUD eight inch, the Batesmith mag. Uh, in the summertime, I'll use the burritos, the the, sh- the line through shads. Um, as far as hard baits go, I, I haven't really used much of anything. Uh, I, I did uh, paint the hinkles, so I was uh, using the hinkle trout uh, quite a bit. Uh, I didn't have much preference for the shad just because to me it seemed like it was more of like a twitching action which didn't really work for my style of fishing um, but the the trout I liked a lot it was a, a really good search bait because uh, it's so big and it would draw out some of the fish in the area so that I, I would know that there was fish there and that I can come back maybe with something smaller and get it to bite um, but I, I mean I, I just haven't fished that much you know maybe Six times in the last two years, you know. Yeah, I just, I'm
2: sure that making bait takes up a lot of time. It does. <laughs> it does. You know, it does. And then, Did you, the, you oh, know, pre- prepping for
4: uh, just prepping for shows, you know, takes months and months and months. I mean, we're, you know, I know caesar's got guys that work for him. I got like family that helps out. Um, you know, we're just we're just doing it ourselves. Yeah, basically what it comes down yeah. to.
2: Um did anyone have any I wanted to open up because you don't get these guys together if anyone had a couple questions we can answer as well uh we could do a little q and a if anyone had anything you guys know everything? I guess they don't have any fucking questions because they know it all <laughs> um have you uh ever gone to someone else when you cannot get something to swim or like do you have like a group of guys that you talk to like you know like anything else I feel like it's like with fishing, you have your group you kind of talk to and go, fuck,
3: man. Kind of throwing
2: bouncing ideas off of them guys sometimes.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I talk to Josh right here. Like, when it comes to pouring soft plastics, everything is... I mean, it's any bait. is. I'm not working in a completely temperature-controlled environment, so as the temperature's changing, your material's changing from batch to batch, you start running into issues, and you may have solved the problem two years ago, and it completely, like went out of your mind, and you talk to somebody and they may spark a memory and you go oh dang okay I remember I gotta adjust for this so Josh I talked to Nate um, uh, Matt Hom from 86 occasionally about other issues but yeah I, I think it definitely ha- helps to have like a, a small group that you can just bounce ideas off and help each other here and there because we all you can all relate Like you're gonna go through those moments where you're like banging your head against the wall, going, "Dude, what? I know how to do this, and I'm just failing at it right now."
1: Yeah, I would. I would would say definitely, absolutely. We talk to each other all the time. Um, For me, (coughs) probably uh, Benno from Little Creeper, uh, Nate, Mike, Jeremy Anderson, um, is are probably like the people that I talk to most when when you get into a lot of, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is molds it's it's not the baits it's how to fucking make them and the best the best way to make them and we spend prob i would thousands of hours on the phone talking to other bait makers it it's easy to get on the phone with somebody like mike or jeremy anderson or nate or benno and talk for two or three hours until it's like one in the morning and not even feel like you're, you even covered everything you wanted to talk yeah, just about. just troubleshooting
3: certain aspects of things sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
1: and then, then you'll talk again two days later, like, how'd that work? So.
0: I feel bad now. I don't have any friends. You don't have any big friends? <laughs> That's
3: a lie. you got to have somebody. You can always to. call
0: us. Either. No, no life, um, like when I started, though, like I said, me and Piz, you know, I had an issue I hit Piz about.
3: You said you were in that group chat earlier. You got That's got to be something, right?
0: I mean, but it wasn't like, "Hey, how are you building this lure?" It's cool. Yeah, it like. was like insulting people's family. <laughs> no, but like, no, but there was like some stuff. There was an issue, like, um, and then Mike Profumo, um, When I was building, me and Mike Profumo met through like some swim underground or something, and uh, and we shared some info um, early. I don't know. It's not like I, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just kind of like, even online, I, if anybody's here and you like guys DM me and stuff, like, I, like a lot of times I just pass over. I don't know if I have anxiety to open the, men, the, like the message, like I'm a weirdo or something. Like, um, I just not, like, I don't talk to people on the phone. Nick knows. Nick knows. If I call Nick, it's like I'm calling him with a specific question or answer. So, but I love to talk shop, right? I love to talk shop with, with the, the people on the stage. This is like the peer group of the whole industry, you know, besides the Jerry's outside and stuff. Like there's no, like I said, there's no union for us. So, um, but I don't really watch videos and stuff. Um, and my stuff's kind of straightforward. So I, I have asked questions, but I don't regularly talk about it. I, I love making baits so I could go fishing, but I gotta be honest with you. If you wanna get me on the phone, and talk let's talk about fishing i just want to fish i just want i build baits because i'm a freak about fishing and my life can't function without me thinking about it all the time um and it rolled into this but like i can nerd out about spy baits fucking crappie fishing like carp fishing i just like fishing so much so that's what I'm going to talk about. Like, if I'm talking about a bait maker, even Josh, like, we've never talked shop, but we fished together. Yeah. I mean and it was like 110.
1: We end up talking we about together. weird Japanese baits and all kinds yeah, of random yeah, stuff. Yeah. I
0: go online and look at every lure on every site and order. I was fishing some weird lure in the salt um, this weekend. So I'm not only a swimming guy, like, I love square bill crankbaits. That's my favorite lure design, like Lee Sisson and the, the Bagley's. I don't know crankbaits and hand-built stuff like that it's like my favorite favorite stuff so um, I like fishing everything all the time so uh, I, I think I'm just a fishing nerd and then I think I don't ask because I if I run into an issue I know I could call Josh I know I could call Mike um, and if I was really hard up, I would ask, like, you know, like a little kid kicking my feet, like, hey, I keep getting air in this part of my mold or something, you know, and I know they would like help me out. But hey, for Piz, the most part, I'm kind of like. Hey,
4: clear clothes should I use, Piz? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you, it,
0: Piz told me how to fill my pinholes because I was making wood baits. And then I put clear instead of epoxy. And I was like, what's going on with that? And then he hooked me up. I'm golden, you know? So. I don't like actively talk about it, but de- I'll definitely ask. I'm not proud to ask for, you know, advice from
4: people. I guess. Yeah. I, I definitely have like friends that I trust for eyes on the water. You know, because I, I might see something that someone else doesn't see, or they might see something that I don't see. So I have, you know, guys like Greg Springer, um, Johnny Ellis, um, guys like that that I. That I trust, you know, they'll they'll get one of the first baits, and um, I'll ask them what their opinion is, or if they're seeing what I'm seeing, or if they're not seeing what I'm seeing. Um, as far as like like building, like I've talked to Caesar back in the day, um, I've talked to Stephen Morgan back in the day uh, when he was a lot nicer. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, Mark Neiman from Chuck Bates, you know, he he works in the movie industry, and all he does is like build molds for all that kind of stuff and it's helped me tremendously as far as ramping up uh the production level of what i can do now versus what i could do then you know so just having a core group of people that you can talk to and trust because you might feel a little embarrassed asking a question you know um where you know someone might know the answer and they won't judge you for it you know uh, th- I think that's the most important thing. I, I don't. I don't think, um, outside of maybe a, a few older, grumpier guys that that, you know, w- w- we mesh well together. You know, what I mean, like like I could I could I could call Mike and ask him for help, and I think that he would extend the hand. You know, not not for any other reason than just you know, that's just the type of person who he is.
0: I think know? i missed it out. I wanna. I don't want to. But. I think maybe I don't now because I've had employees for a while now, right? And my boy Tommy that works for me is my main dude. It's just me and him now. I, I bounce ideas off Tommy. And Tommy tunes bass. He's taking the whole thing. He's like apprentice, whatever. Um, so I can't say that because me and Tommy are always talking shop. So maybe I just have my workmate now, my, you know, my peer at work, that I get to bounce shit off all the time. And now it's fucked up to not... Shout out, Tommy, because that's my dude right there, man. He, he's at the booth. And without him doing it, like, I probably would definitely not be as far ahead as where I'm at right now.
3: So. I think all of us, I mean, you got, everybody's done their own, like, molding, all that stuff from the ground up in the early days. But now there seems to be an explosion over the last probably four or five years, even more of an explosion of new baits onto the market, new guys, all that how much of those services that are provided for maybe guys that don't know how to even do the very basic minimum, how much of an impact, positive or negative, on the swimbait world, do you guys feel that's had? Has it taken part of the art form out? Or like, what are the, bo- the positive and negatives that you, you feel about it? And do you use those services or not? Um, I have
2: a real quick thing I wanna interject with that. To me, when I was making the head, I'm thinking, I don't want to show you what I'm fucking doing to anyone. So I feel like like when I went to cast, I said, Oh, do you guys sign like a non-disclosure? Because <laughs> what if they fucking show like like nothing against warmates, but what if they're like, Oh, Nick has this idea, let's do this. There's fucking.
1: just a certain group of people that you absolutely trust. Right. People yeah. that you would bury a body for. <laughs> like But yeah, like, what
2: do you think of the opinion of your like the two needs.
3: Yeah, like somebody that will like the, the services now that are provided that will do all right. that R and D for you of like how to make your how to mold your bait and make your bait, like do the process for you. So, so you're, you're
1: talking about Roe. Um well, how like, do I feel Ro about it? Row and a bunch of <laughs> other there there sure. are other services.
3: Yeah. So. Um and I'm, this isn't supposed to be to like crap <laughs> on Roe. No, right? not at yeah. all.
1: I, didn't, I my gut my gut I think it's good for the industry. Um as with everything, it's, it's going to evolve. And that's just part of the evolution is it's growing and it, it benefits it, us all to grow. And not everybody is going to have the talent to do everything. They're not gonna have, I mean, I've thrown half of my life away locking myself in the garage and spending <laughs> thousands of dollars on silicone and resin and pulling my hair out. So I, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody so if you can if those services are available, absolutely take advantage of them. I mean doing other work, I always tell people if if you somebody can do something better than you and they already already do it, use them why not
4: yeah i I used to be a hundred percent against like the whole three d printing you know i used i used to think it was cheating,
0: but
4: It basically came down to taking taking what you make almost to another level because I don't feel like I'm a very good carver at all, and if I could just send my master out and have it just cleaned up, to me it still feels like it's my master. Right. I don't have anybody else make my molds for me. I still make all my molds. I still set up the molds the way that I I, I learn how to pour. You know, so. What, what I've learned, I'm kind of starting to see, like, basically Roe, you know, doing it for other people. But I didn't tell him, you sure. know? But it's like, people are just going to figure it out. Like you know what, you what I mean? You, you
1: can't shit like, on somebody who saw a need and made an entire business yeah. out of it. I yeah. think yeah. that's fucking it, awesome. Roe
4: Ro is yeah. awesome. Jake yeah. is a really nice guy. Yeah, I've he's talked with him you know, a couple, couple times. It, but there are well, yeah, a okay. exactly. Yeah, but I don't it's just, know. It's
1: just yeah. like the elephant in the room. I mean, you asked the question. I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's just say, hey. I know, but I'm, yeah.
3: I'm, th- you guys keep talking about Roe because obviously people have experience with Roe, but there are other services out there that people are in the community that are starting to offer that same thing. For sure. That's all. I wasn't trying to point out you can go go anywhere
0: and get your bait 3d scanned and ask for symmetry correction Yep. so that's what he offers he did my tails and my soft baits because i wanted them to be cleaned up and aesthetically nice so and they were symmetrical on both sides with the plastic but i don't i mean it's you know everybody can build their own stuff right like if you carve your master and send it to him and he cleans it up then that's cool if you just send him something and he makes it that's his bait now that's not your bait you can't just send him something and he just makes the whole bait that you know that's his bait now but i don't it you know it's personal preference right i don't do it because i don't believe in symmetry correction because historically proven the baits that are a little bit off catch the most fish they might swim a little off or whatever but slammers with the crooked joint The wiggle warts with the mold that was heavy on one side and light on the other still sell for $100.
1: The soft bait that lies sideways on the bottom. Uh, On the bottom. (laughs) So
0: um, that's wonky, right? It's like a wonky bait. If you look at the Wade Hog Swim, it kind of has like a hitch in its giddy-up or the bugle lips. But that's why I don't do it, because I don't want my baits to be symmetrical. Um, I had the Wake & Crank 66 shrink down, but I literally gave them the Wake & Crank Master. They shrank it and i left it as is they didn't do anything they didn't correct the symmetry but that's just my personal preference that's like one of the reasons i believe handmade baits get bit a little sometimes more because they have that extra thing otherwise just abs you know like just that let just do it on full scale you know if it's going to be perfect that's just, you know these are my opinions i'm not like that's the only way to do it but i use row but i don't use them for stuff like that because uh because he did my tails, made them fancy and nice and did a great job. And then um, I just do the
4: rest. So yeah, But I think if you're putting out a nice symmetrical product, you feel better about justifying the price tag that you put on it. No, well, not me
0: personally. Like, I don't, like you could carve my face by Leonardo da Vinci on the Wade Hogs. And I don't think you should sell it for more because it's the same molding process. It's just one time got carved and you pour it in there. And it's the same thing as if it was a stupid face like I have or like this fancy detail. So I don't think that I don't think that makes it you able to charge more, but this is my opinion, right? Like like the best car is the best for the job, not like a Bentley. You know what I mean? Like why would I pay that much for a car to drive on the road?
4: So I know, but we could be using the, the same resin. You bought it from Northern California, yeah. I bought it from Southern California, and I'm getting charged fifty dollars more yeah. for a five gallon tub. I mean I know you are doing you said you're doing fifty gallon tubs, but you know,
0: like, well I, I yeah, like I don't know the people's costs. I'm just saying Yeah. The I'm saying the, the carving, the sandwiches. No, no, stuff no, I,
4: I I get that. But what I'm saying is is like like if you're putting out a nicer an overall nicer product not saying product that doesn't work or doesn't anything but overall nicer product okay so for product. me
0: nicer only means catching more fish sure that's it sure I don't, so if it
4: yeah as you as you build so, your as you build your brand up yeah. by fish catches you know i'm saying like can, so
0: if this bait was this and this bait was this if this caught more but it looked Like, it got ran over by a car. I would still say this is a nicer If
4: you want, I can paint tire tracks on your base. I'm just saying. I I, I totally could That's
0: how I define nicer. I'm not trying to, like, are you? No, no, I get it. Like, what hammer puts the nail into the wood more? You could buy, like, a $3,000 gold-encrusted Gucci hammer, but that just means that you have a Gucci hammer. Yeah. We can still do the same job. That's just my approach. You know, that's all I'm saying. That's just my approach to fishing. I love 7-inch cinco's. It's like... I catch so many huge fish on a 7-inch Cinco, and people are like, dude, I hate throwing Cincos. I'm like, you hate not catching fish? <laughs> you don't like fun? And that actually the 7-inch that... Cinco is such a great design scientifically because it's so simple. So that's just like, that's where a lot of my stuff comes, this is my attitude towards fishing. You
4: know. Yeah, like, And you truly are a garage builder. I mean, the first yeah. bait that I ever bought from you, you built this nice box for me. It had, the bait was inside of it. I carved the, out of wood, it, too. I, I know, carved the, that one. The, the <laughs> lid slid right in, and it had toxic, like, yeah. I don't know. I think it was penned on there or, yeah. or something like that.
0: Yeah, I love I loved that. I love doing it like that. You know what I
4: mean? That's that's cool, and I think yeah. a lot of people appreciate that kind of yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. Is that it, Nick? Is that, it? Is that all I you have? I was just thinking, because
3: we, we could all sit here and talk forever. I'm not trying to take over doing the thing, but what is, like, one thing I was just thinking to kind of wrap it all up what would be like if you could say there's one thing to anybody that's out there that potentially starting bait making or, or thinking about getting into it like what's one thing what's the best piece of advice you could give someone do you want to go first or i can go first
1: you go first i'm going to think about it
3: to me and i, I know this is a hot topic out there for everybody is Pricing your baits accordingly, considering all cost over the years of proto- prototyping, development, taxes, all that. What you need to put in your pocket at the end of the day, after everything, because a lot of a lot of dudes seem to almost not even pay themselves for their own labor. They're basing their prices purely off of material cost. And if you want to be successful and have some longevity, you have to pay yourself, whatever that pay rate is, whether it's. Nine ninety-five an hour or seven ninety-five or fifty bucks an hour, whatever it is, you have to establish your labor in those costs and then all other calculations so that you can have some longevity. I've just seen it time and time again where somebody comes out of the gates and then will quickly recalculate their prices once they actually start going, whether it's the wife is screaming at them, going, What are you doing in the garage for X amount of dollars or tax bills due and they don't have the cash because they didn't set it aside or whatever it might be so that's everybody has their own artistic impression and all that but it, on the business side of it i think that's like a, a huge part of it is calculating if you've been working on a on a bait for four years you have to amortize those costs into that bait for the longevity if you're only ever gonna make a hundred of them but you spent four years making it the value of that bait really is actually probably much higher than any uh, any of us on this stage would ever dare charge but it is what it is, but that's, yeah. that's kind of my two cents on that aspect of it. What's your thing?
1: Uh, I would say, advi- first, ask yourself why you're doing it would be the biggest thing. And are you trying to make a business out of it or is this just a side gig that you enjoy? Because what Mike said is 100% true if you're doing it for a business. If you're just doing it on the weekends and you're a plumber, you're an electrician, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. Um, those, that doesn't factor into it as much. Um, but the biggest thing is realizing, especially if you do want to do it as a business, it's going to eat into your fishing time. If you get into the fishing industry, you fish less. And if you don't want that, don't get into the fishing industry. <laughs> Um, that's one piece of advice is just like really really sort of write down the pros and cons of why you want to do it. If you're just doing it because you want to be popular and make another fucking bluegill glide bait, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, And it's, I mean, that's the reality of it. I think there's a lot of people that just want to make something and be cool. And I think that they're doing it for the wrong reasons. If you have a legitimate new idea and you're really excited about it freaking grind do it it's have have a good time it's fun it's it's really enjoyable and, and just enjoy it that's the biggest thing is just enjoy it as soon as you stop enjoying it stop doing it
0: so is this for like if people are building bait makers, bait bait makers. Or, no no no, no. is this people that like, like to build baits or people that are building baits and want to have a business like I would say like, just
2: giving advice to a bait maker that's starting like if you want to build baits then build baits
0: like for you to catch fish right like if you don't if you want to just build a bluegill bait and it's just like a wade hogs build that shit and go fish it that would be awesome now if you want to now if you're turning into like okay I like this and I want to sell some and you sell some to your buddies, like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. But if you're, like, going to try to start selling lures, you should probably be doing it, like, like Josh said, like, for the right reasons, try. right? Like, like, there's not this bait on the market, and I need to have this bait to develop it. So, like, if you're, if you're just like, hey, I want to build baits for a living, that's stupid. That's... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying don't do it. What I'm saying is start building baits, take your bait out, catch fish with the lure, figure out what if I move the lip, change the lip size, change the lure size, change the joint specification, and then say, oh man, what did that do? And then build another one. Like, bait building is supposed to be enjoyable, right? Like, so when it, and if you're going to start selling them, then make, I mean, because it's going to happen. If you build baits, people are going to ask you to buy them. So price them accordingly at first, you know, if you, if you're like, like Mike said, it's true. Like you have all this development. I mean, if you just start building baits and you built five and somebody's like, Hey, let me buy your bluegill wake. Don't tell them $150, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just charge like 50 bucks. I, I, I'm not trying to tell people what to do. What I'm saying is be reasonable and just like enjoy the build process, build it for the right reasons. Cause you want to catch fish. If you're doing it purely for monetary value, I mean honestly the guys that are doing it to catch fish are just going to run all over you and you know just spend the time on the water enjoy your time fishing cuz that's what most people end up making baits for because they're so addicted to fishing that we keep tinkering like I said we're tinkering and tinkering and then we get this product and then you fish it and people are like let me get that. Yeah. You know, oh okay and then it, it, then it ends up you're like us you know you're like in the garage in debt <laughs> Wife yelling at you, can't fish, you know. But it's I would never trade this for anything in the world. Like, I'll never go back. I'll collect cans to supplement my income, so I could do this, you know. Unless somebody says, "Hey, you could fish every day for the rest of your life, and all your bills will be paid." See you guys,
4: because
0: yeah. <laughs> I love fishing so much, you know. But in general, like, um, just just do it and have fun with it. Like, if you're not going to sell them, or you don't intend on selling stuff. You could copy people's baits. I mean, that's my opinion. Like, so what? It's for you. Like, we know that Butch molds Huddlesons and he throws them out, but he's not on his website or on the back parking lot with a trench coat selling you Huddlesons, you know, flipping them. Um, So I think there's, you know, there's different reasons, but if you're just doing it for the fun of it, just have fun and don't worry about if somebody says your shit looks like somebody else's shit. But if you're going to start selling them and try to have a company, quote unquote company, then, then you should probably have respect for you know, the people that are doing it and making money or like have done it before you. You know, it's I think it's no matter what you do, no just, matter what you do in any industry, that would be the respectful or thing with integrity. Try to have integrity. You know,
3: as a general poll, do you have an issue with somebody molding your bait for themselves and making their own? Do you have an issue with that just for themselves? They're not reselling it.
4: What can I do? I
3: mean, so what, you don't have an I, issue What can it, I really right? do? You just said you don't have an issue with it. No, that'd be no that's have cool. An issue with it's this? awesome. Like if they're just molding it, pouring their own, fishing it themselves, never doing anything with it.
1: You're never gonna know how if that's they can't make it. the real but. case, you're never gonna know. Yeah, but this is like a real If they cross that line, you're gonna find you out. You see it
3: all the time because there are the guys that evolve into selling it. I don't yeah. have an issue with that. Like as far as making it like taking somebody right. taking my bait and making it and pouring it on yourself and just keeping it for yourself, I have oh, no sure. issue with that. But that stuff if, does come up all the time and I've never been upset by that. Oh, like, I know that. Oh, if, dude, I'm if, an angler you're, first, if you're so.
1: set up for it and you can go in your garage.
4: Yeah, if
0: you want to it. try to. Yeah, it's not. You better make a lot.
4: You better fish a lot on of bait hard baits. Battle
0: you better <laughs> fish a lot of hard baits to like get silicone. Silicone is through the roof right now, also. Yeah. You guys are thinking about making baits. Silicone is is double, double what it was. Double. And Six. resin is up, to Like, everything's price a lot price. more expensive. I lowered my price. I lowered my price because I think that the prices are too expensive. That's my personal expense. It's like a bubble, in my opinion. But, but I'm just saying, right? Like things are going up. So, as a hobby, remember that it's expensive. It's not cheap. $300 for silicone to make a few baits. You better make more than a few baits to fish, you know? Yeah. So, just buy them. That's a, trust me, it ain't cheaper. It's, it's cheaper
1: to buy them.
4: Uh, <laughs> just just to, to add to pretty much what everyone else is saying just offer the best customer service you possibly can true you know if the the one thing that i get a lot is that oh man you responded so back usually i'm you know here for back from the bait maker for like five days now you know i don't know how busy everybody else is but i know that when i'm watching paint dry i'll get on and answer messages and stuff like that um so just offer the best customer service you possibly can whether it's to five customers ten customers a hundred customers just be be responsive, uh, have some good communication. Um, don't overextend your promises. I've been 100% guilty of that. Yeah, me too. Uh, don't That's overextend bad. your timelines. I mean, if you tell somebody, hey, I'll have your bait out in a week, have it out in a week. Because 10 days, they're on one of the forums on one of the groups saying, man, Piz told me he was going to ship it 10 days ago <laughs> and it still hasn't shipped, you know? So. Those, I mean, you know,
0: those promises by guys like us are made like out of the best of our heart. Like some guys like, I really want this bait, man. I, you know, I can't get it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll paint it for you. And then, dude, I'm all over the place. That's why I can't have a real job, you know. So it's never like I do it on purpose. And they're like, oh, I didn't want to remind you so. But that's good advice because it's easy to be like pleasing. Like this persons trying to support you. So you want to do it for them. And then yeah, you forget dude, that you don't have time for that. You
4: know? Just be realistic with your deadlines. Yeah. You know, that, that's the hardest part. That's honestly the hardest part. Um, if I was just starting out, I would make let's say forty baits, and I would give twenty-five of them away. Yeah. I would just give, yeah, yeah. I would give twenty-five <laughs> away. No, I'm just saying. Saying? I mean, if you want to give me some Viking heads, go ahead. That's fine. I will. All right. Um, but um, so I, I, would, I, I would have, have. I still haven't I would got have my a box. yet.
2: I'm sorry. I haven't got my piss yet either. I'd want. Them. Sorry. Sorry, Piz, it's, in, it's it. in the mail. <laughs> just kidding.
4: Uh, anyway, um, like I was saying, I would have I would come to a show like this and I would have 25 baits that I would just give to anybody that walked up to my booth that was interested in what I made. I would get their information, you know, I would call them about their car's extended warranty, and then I would ask them about how like, you know, the bait was because I want feedback, you know, I want feedback from someone that is either just getting started, someone that's been swim bait fishing for a long time, because you're gonna get two different opinions, and and either of those opinions could help you in the long run. Yeah. You know, if a bait is having problems swimming on its side, you as a bait maker got to know how to fix that. You know, whether it's by tuning the line tie, whether it's by weighting it differently, or or just changing your whole process in general, cause, because because You could sit there and carve a bait, spend months and months trying to perfect it. And it does not swim. It just it just does not swim right. You know, I I, like I've been frustrated by certain baits where I'm just like. I I put in so much time, I've I've tuned it every possible way, and it still wants to nose down, I can make it tail heavy. And as soon as I twitch it, it goes down and I, you know, (laughs) you know, it's just it's just how it is. But as as a bait maker. You have to when you make a bait, you have to almost like like you may make it perfect the first time around, but then you gotta kinda mess it up to see what it will do. Go crawl over. You become yeah. really yeah. Yeah. You, you become, become really, really good, good at over, failing. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, go, like, you gotta you gotta make per, it try to mess up. Yeah, if and, you
0: add too much weight there, you don't know what happens if you add lead to the nose unless you do it. And then once you do it, you fuck. So you gotta build the next one.
4: Yeah. yeah but yeah. but guys right now will be like what's the best materials to use and how do I weight it versus going out there and learning yeah. how to do it. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't tell you over the phone or over text message how to build a bait. i got to physically show you in person, you know. I, yeah. I just can't do it. I can't explain it the way that I know how to do it without it sounding like, like foreign language
2: yeah,
1: to you. Right. Yeah, and every And everybody's going to do it differently once you develop a process anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
2: Um, I want to say thank you to all the bait makers on the stage, not only for coming and doing this, but for donating baits over the years for the Patreon, for being part of the podcast and helping this all work. Uh, opening up, and I appreciate everyone you on the stage, please check all these companies out, JSJ, Toxic, Piz, and Working Class Zero. They're all great supporters. And uh, we're going to be doing Butch's episode next. I'll be doing the biggest raffles at the end with a lot of shit. So, stick around towards the end. The guy that stuck around last year, the people that stuck around, there was no one here. They won a ton of shit. So, if you guys stick around, you're probably going to have a better chance at some of the good stuff. Again, thank all the guys on the stage. Just give them a round of applause. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you guys you. for coming out.